If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. This is producer Brian. First of all, thank you for listening to one of our first ever episodes, 1996's Original Scream. I wanted to also let you know that four years later, we redid our review on this movie as episode 299. Just want to let you know it could possibly be a good companion piece to this one. Thanks, as always, for listening. And remember, don't go out there. Um, hello? Who is this? This is Roger L. Jackson, Ghostface, from the Scream franchise. And you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. So you like scary movies, huh? What's your favorite scary movie? And it better be the right answer or I'll... Well, you know the rest. Thank you. You're such a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. Or better yet, see you in your home. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. This is episode three. This is uh, a highly anticipated one by uh, all of the hosts of the show. This one might get a little controversial, maybe a little bit physical. Just kidding. <laughs> but if in person, maybe so. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to uh, review briefly. We're actually going to review the this movie a little quicker than the past two because we have um, – it's not an argument, but it's just uh, we have a difference of beliefs of how this movie should be categorized, I guess you could say. We're going to be, re- be reviewing uh, Scream from 1996, the original, the introduction of Ghostface. And, um, you know, this was a genre-changing movie, you know. It was kind of in the in the middle of, you know, this, you know your famous slashers kind of dying down. And, uh, like, where do we go from here, you know? Um, um this this would probably be considered the introduction of metahor, I guess you could call it. Um, and I know two of my uh, co-hosts are big fans of it, and uh, we all are, but for different reasons. But um, we're going to jump right into the opening scene. Um, and I think the thing that's kind of coincidental about the first three movies we recorded is they all have a very, very, very great opening scene that gets you right into the movie. Right. Um. So we're introduced to Drew Barrymore, who's playing the role of Casey, 
and she's at the house by herself, and uh, she gets a random phone call, and she's like, she doesn't know who it is, blah, 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 so she hangs up. They call back again, and this guy is, you know, he's saucing on her. He's trying to get to talk to her. He's trying to get to know her. She's talking about how she's single, even though she's not single. These girls be tricking out here. Um, Mike, Brian, do one of y'all want to handle this opening scene? Because uh, this is probably, you know, one of the most famous scenes of all time in horror movie history. Hey, go ahead, Brian. Take it away, man. Yeah, so... Yeah, I know um, Halloween was Mike's favorite horror movie. Um, I think that this was pretty. I think this one might be mine. Um, the opening scene to me, to me, it rivals, dare I say, Halloween's openings. In my opinion, I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna say it. I think it's the best opening to a horror right. movie of all time. That's that's just me. Um, I, I love how self-aware this movie is. Um, you know, I love how in the opening scene, the biggest name on the poster, Drew Barrymore, you know, is, is filleted with her guts hanging out in the front yard. Um, it just it lets you say, you know, it, 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 it's aware of all the horror tropes and it's going to try to break. Them. Right, man. That's why I love it, too. And and I know the self-aware part of it is kind of a turnoff for some people, but it, I think it really kind of. I think after a rewatch, like you watch it the first time, maybe it doesn't click for you, but you watch it again, you go, oh, I, I, I see there's a lot of little things, even in that opening scene that, that you catch on a on a rewatch. And like you said, I love the kill of Drew Barrymore. Like, and that ended up being her idea. Like they wanted her for the role of Sydney. And she's like, no, I think it would be much better, much cooler, much, and I only have a certain amount of time, so why don't we kill me early? Put my face on the poster. You know, that makes a lot of sense, and they killed her off early. It's very – uh, and this is another trope that they kind of used because Psycho did it with, with Janet Lee and Marion Crane. She was the biggest name at the time, and Albert Hitchcock used her to advertise the movie, and they killed her in the shower. And so it's very reminiscent of that. And so I love this opening scene. The Just – bitch, if you hang up, I'll gut you like a fish. Like I love that little – like I love how it, it's like it's funny, but – the music kind of doesn't make it funny for me. Like I know it's, it's a little bit ha ha, but it's also self-aware. And I think that's why you hear normal people comments, not just like, you know, weird serial killer stuff. Like he, he's clearly just a n- normal guy. Drew, go ahead and jump in here real quick about this opening scene. I will say like, I, I'm with Mike and with Brian on both this. They both said, that, you know, it's one of the greatest open scenes. I, I agree. I would never, I just want to put it out there. I do not hate this movie. I do not hate this movie. I do not hate this movie. Steven Rodriguez. I do not hate this movie. I actually love this movie. I love this movie. But the opening scene, like I'll say, it's, it's great. It's very like Drew Barrymore. They're coming up and saying nobody, nobody when they saw this movie in the 90s. And you also got to think like in the 90s, like this movie actually brought it kind of brought the slasher films back into like the 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 mainstream it, it brought like without back. that it brought, it brought it back yeah without yeah. a doubt it brought it back yeah. yeah so i'm not i'm not like the gonna debate like what it did or didn't right. do it's just you know it, the opening scene is great drew barrymore was great everybody within it you know, and by the way the shot, there was a reason yeah. why and, and by the way shout out to wes craven the way he shot this opening scene it's just you know, he had kind of had a couple stinkers before this. You know, New Nightmare, which is also meta. We talked about a little bit. It's a little meta, but it's not as it's not as wink and nod as this movie. But this uh, 
the way he shoots this opening scene, man, it it shows that he's he's one of the he's probably the best horror director outside of John Carpenter. Agreed. Well, can I say Agreed. something? I just I just want to jump in too. Uh, Wes Craven's not. I mean, I, I I think Wes Craven took it to the next level, but all the credit to me, I think, goes to Kevin Williams absolutely for, absolutely for the script. I mean, and you know, I wrote I, I read that you know he was just a, a fan of old school slashers, you know, like me and you and, and all of our listeners, you know, you wanted to revitalize it back to, you know, what we all, what we all knew and loved. Right. And, um, I mean, it certainly did, it certainly did to some degree, but almost all of the, you know, and I was in high school in the nineties. So it was, you know, maybe a little bit different, you know, experiencing it, you know, when it was, when it was big. Um, but, you know, for me, but I love all the horror movies of the night uh, of the nineties. I didn't find out later, you know, that I loved, I didn't find out till later that Kevin Williamson wrote them all, you know, the yeah. faculty, I know last summer, um, scream Two, uh, Halloween H2O, like he was a producer on that. Like those were anyway, I just wanted to make sure Kevin Williamson got his due in that. Absolutely. Big shout out. Yeah. Um, I wrote down in my notes, we won't stay on this opening scene too much longer, but, um, I wrote down that this is just uh, an amazing portrayal of, you know, just psychological terror on somebody. Um, you know, I really like the fact that he's like quizzing them on, you know, horror movies and like, like who is the main villain in this movie? Who is it in this one? And I wrote down in quotations, um, whenever the caller says, I want to know who I'm looking at. I was like, oh shit. You know, that's, that, that's when it got real, you know, cause that, cause yeah. the look, the look that, uh, Drew Barrymore puts on her face. You're like, you start to feel, you know, you start to feel the internal, the, the you know, the internal. Oh crap, what's going on here? He he sees me. He knows who he's talking to right now. I that that that's a situation that I can put myself into the shoes of that person really good. And before we move on, I really want to say that um, the boyfriend's death is really br- yeah. really brutal too. That yeah. uh, that that's pretty horrifying too. Um. The only nitpick I have of the beginning scene is, uh, you know, she gets choked a little bit and she can't scream, but she's got the phone in her hand. Why don't she just throw that at her parents to like get some attention towards it instead of, <laughs> instead of, ah, ah, you know, that that's my only nitpick of that part. I'm not going to jump on it too bad. Cause Ain't gonna lie, I, brother. You're applying logic to an illogical situation. Yeah, I, I'm just, you <laughs> know, I I'm do just, it too. I do too. But you know the thing is, if we're if we're getting attacked by somebody, we don't know who the hell it is. You know, it's easy to judge it when you're not right. in the situation. So, right. But oh, that's my only nitpick of the opening scene is just throw the phone at him or something. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like don't try and fake scream or nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Y'all got any more final thoughts on this opening scene before nah, we man, start moving on? Just a classic opening scene, man. No, yeah, it's, it's great. A- it's a great opening scene. It's a great opening scene. Like the music score that goes along with it. Like yes. it's a great. It's a great. See, I, I'm going to defend it in a lot of ways because, like, I love this movie in a lot of ways. The only thing I, you know, is the classic. Oh, wait. For Make up tease, like, brother. Tease but, but, I mean, it's, it's great in the opening scene just because, like, you know, the way they lead it up and, like, the drama that comes kind of comes with it, like, and then you got the music that comes with it. Like, I am a big fan. Like, hey, if the scene's going to be great, drop a good musical right beside it. It's going to make it that much better. I agree. But yeah, you. opening scene's great. By That's the way, yeah. Halloween H2O ended up using like that same score. I don't I think it was by accident, but they used like the same song. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um I will say to this is just me personally after I rewatched the other night. Um I'm really not trying to hate cuz it is a great movie, but it's like after this scene to me it kind of goes it, I don't want to say downhill, but 
the 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 kind of the the terror you feel from the random call kind of just drops a little bit to me once you but we'll move on um after this scene we're in um say, all right we're in sydney's house now you know she's in her pjs and uh this dude sneaks up into her room from the window billy this to me is just kind of a exposition filler scene i guess um you know he comes into the room she screams and the dad tries to walk into the room nothing big going on she's like i thought i heard her scream no no you didn't hear nothing you know billy's trying to put the mac on her she gives him you know you know lets him get the first base maybe he's like why can't we do nothing why don't we do nothing no more well you know it's because my mom uh, my mom's dead or you know <laughs> so after dead. So, so that that scene to me, all it does is really just kind of paint the portrait of their relationship. Is that what you guys think as well? Oh yeah, it it, it, yeah. it sets it sets what they need to get said in it earlier. And then like, how many different scary slash movies that we got that there's always the horny teenagers? There's it's always every the horny teenager. It's every horror movie, man, or just about. Yeah. Every slasher movie, I put it that and, way. I mean, all of it together. It's just that right. you always got to have that one. But I, but they, but he sets it up to where you know that you get that emotional connection between the two characters, and right. then they're like, "Hey, guess what? We're gonna kind of fuck that up." <laughs> well, hey, sh- the only thing I can really take away from this scene, and I don't know if they do it here, but every time I see it, I'm reminded his name is Billy Loomis. Which uh, shout mm-hmm. out to the Loomis name from uh, actually Psycho first, but then Halloween as well. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the Loomis name, little Easter egg mm-hmm. there. The, Whole movie is meta. Sorry, Drew. Yeah, there, there's a lot of you know references to other movies, which which I, I'm I'm not I'm not hating. I'm not hating. Right. They get a little egregious at times, but anyways, Brian, you got any any thoughts on this thing before we move on? No, I mean I just I like how it sets up their relationship a little bit. You know that you're gonna see throughout the film the tension, and it kind of gives you a little bit of backstory on. You know, it's almost like, hey, it's almost acting like there was a movie before it, but there really wasn't. Like, right. you know, it gives you enough backstory that you, you know, there could have been. I guess is what I'm saying. So. Yeah, I see. I, you know, I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, yeah, like, that's really the well way done. they set it up, it kind of makes you say, hey, guess guess what? These guys were kind of set up before. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that's that's a good point. So after this scene, we go um, where the, the next day the police and the news are at the school. And, uh, you know, they're investigating the murders. They're, uh, you know, they're interviewing people. They're kind of taping stuff off. And uh, it transitions into the five teens. They're sitting around this waterfall. It's uh, Sydney, Billy, um, Stuart, Randy, and Tatum. They're all just discussing. And they're, they're, to me, guys, after, you know, the first time I watched this movie, I was really, like, didn't know what was going on. But after you rewatch it and you know what happens – the the two guys kind of give it away what they did it you know what i'm saying just cause a little bit act, yeah you know just the way they look at each other the way they go a little extra with their jokes about how somebody should die you know go ahead go ahead mike so there's a so i think there's a point to that a point yeah, was that so they could be not be so obvious but they wanted to let some people know that would pick up on it that these might be the two killers but then they make you second guess it because mm-hmm. there's it's kind of mm-hmm. in your face so you're like, ah, that's too obvious. It has to be somebody else. Yeah, it so can't I be that that's kind of Right. So I think it's kind of a swerve. And by the way, later on, we'll get to it. They give a good red herring for Billy where they're like, ah, I want Billy. And they give Billy an alibi. And right. at the time, you're only thinking there's one killer. So after a rewatch, yeah, it's definitely like, oh, uh, duh. 
especially because Stu is so freaking weird. I love Matthew Lillard, <laughs> but he's a freaking weirdo in this movie, man. Hit me with the phone, dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, well, I'll save it for the, for the end for some stuff we talk about. But yeah, Stewart is a, he, he kind of gives it away with his facial expressions and all that throughout this movie. Brian, you got any thoughts on this thing where they're discussing the, um, the murders and all that? Well, I mean, and that's another thing about that this movie, it, it's not. It's one of the first ones where it's not coming in. You know, you're not coming in knowing. Okay, well, Freddy's the killer in this movie. Jason's the killer in this movie. Right. Now, it's it's a it's a mystery who the killers like are. Like and right, you, you don't go in knowing, and you go on the journey like with the cast, kind of. And you know, this I know a lot of movies kind of stole that after, like, oh, okay, who's the killer? But this was, you know, this was the first one. Just like Halloween set up a whole lot of stuff, this was the right. first one. And and like right. you said, they they do they do give it away. But I, I agree. I think that it's in that scene, especially that they're trying to be like, okay, look, here's who we want you to think the killer is. And so right. you're second guessing yourself, like, oh, well, they're surely they're not telling me that already, right? You know, and like you said, they go on with it, so. Yeah, there's a lot of crumbs like they want you to maybe follow, and it's like, hey, look this way. But then again, hey, we could go this way. Because there's a part of me, that whole movie, the first time I ever saw it, that was convinced it was Randy. It oh, made a whole, doubt. It made a whole lot of sense for the horror nerd to be the horror killer. Like It made yeah. a lot of – and by the way, Randy, as a character, since we're talking about the characters, is kind of us. Like He's oh, kind yeah. of us. He's a representation of people like us that love – horror movies and break it down the way that we break it down here and so randy is man r.i.p randy and scream 2 that was bullshit but anyway uh <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler like, alert yeah uh, <laughs> hey wow. a, spoiler, a spoiler alert for a movie that's 20 years old kiss the fattest part of my ass <laughs> yeah i was thinking actually after the first episode uh guys we're not giving those spoiler alerts <laughs> if you jump into this uh you better know what we're talking about yeah be ready be ready because right right, it's spoiler, coming out right? it would be different if we it'd be different if we reviewed the joker Right, Last week, right. that would have made sense. Like, might have had to give a spoiler alert, but we're not. So, we're viewing a movie over 20 years old now. Yeah, which, exactly. which is crazy because, like, I remember that was like probably one of the most popular movies. Is like I was a, you know, in high school. Like, it was a the probably yeah, the first everybody was seen, going up. Man. And then now you're just like, man, that, was that really 20 years ago? And it it was over 23 years ago. Yeah, I remember being uh, like six, seven years old or whatever. Well, when we watched it, me and my mom rented it for us because we kept saying we wanted to watch it, and the neighborhood kids were over. And, you know, and that first scene was playing, and we was like, we're scared. She's like, no, nah, y'all wanted it. You're going to watch it. So we, I remember being on the couch watching it, scared to death. <laughs> that was me with How We Need You I feel so old right now. I feel so old. He's talking like, I'm in like six, seven, eight years old. I'm like, hey, I was, I was, I was five, man. <laughs> but um, I was in high school too, Drew. That's good. Oh, you old people. <laughs> Anyway, after up in here. That's right. right. Hey, we got two different, you know, not two whole different generations, but you know, you got y'all got like a about a decade on us, so y'all got a um, a more wise uh, experience and uh, perspective than us. So that's cool. But um, after after this scene where they're out the, at the waterfall talking about the kills, um, we're with Sydney. She's at her house, and whenever Billy snuck in, you know, her dad and Sydney were talking about how he's going out of town for business. So she don't want to stay at home by herself. So she's going to stay at Tatum's house. So she's packing up, getting all her stuff ready. She turns the TV on, and literally everything on TV is about the murder, and she ain't feeling it really. So she takes a nap. She wakes up, and the phone rings. (laughs) And here comes round two. 
Uh, Mike, do you want to handle this uh, scene real quick? Well, as far as like the scene breakdown, I have I don't have that many notes on it, but I have a notes on why this scene is good and why this scene really fits the movie. And they kind of get a couple different things. Okay, so for one, we should probably mention that Cindy's mom was murdered a year before the events of this movie. Yeah, and that's kind of where the tie-in to pretty much the rest of the franchise comes from. As far as the sequels that that uh, that carry on and and ends up tying into the ending of this movie, so that's one big thing that we left out. We probably should have mentioned. Number two, they kind of flip a good horror. Uh, they flip a horror trope on its head because nine times out of ten, the final girl doesn't meet the killer until the end. And in this movie, they flip that, and you get a you get a showdown between Sydney and Ghostface very very early on. Or there's mm-hmm. a point where the first time I saw it, I'm like, are they going to kill or not? Like, who's surviving this movie? <laughs> because it was like he's got a knife on the neck, and you just didn't know, especially because what you just saw was Drew Barrymore die. So you're coming back, and you're like, are they going to do this again? Who's surviving? And so I think they did that movie really well. And by the way, I might be alone in this, but uh, Dewey in this film can go to hell. <laughs> oh, my God. He's the worst, bro. Uh, I got, I got those like in my the absolute worst. I'm not a big fan of that guy acting. Uh, but he's the worst in this. In this worst. scene, as far – and they end up arresting Billy, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. But I think that – I mentioned it earlier. Great red herring because there is a point where, well, that makes a lot of sense. There was just Ghostface here. Billy's here. Ah, I could put two and two together. That makes a lot of sense. But – they and we'll get to it. They do a scene later on that kind of gives Billy a good alibi. Yeah, um, like you were saying, they arrest Billy, but the thing is, is you know, um, Sydney, she's not really that scared in this call. I love she, her in this because call. Uh, you know the caller is saying you know all the same stuff, and she walks outside, looking around, she's picking her nose. What am I doing then? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, right. she goes back in the house, and you know, Ghostface comes after her. She gets away. Then as she runs up the stairs, all of a sudden Billy climbs up into her room again, like impeccable timing. And then a phone falls out of his pocket, and she's like, uh-huh. "You son of a bitch, it's you, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I love I was, that though. Yeah, I love that. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Brian. Well, uh, and that's what I was talking about them being like, "Hey, this is really super obvious," and then you start double, you know. Yeah. About it. The one thing about this scene I will say is I like that I like how it's trying to play on the horror horror cliches while trying to survive, subvert them too, because, you know, Sydney is on the phone telling him that she hates horror movies because, you know, big breasted bimbos running up the stairs when she could go out the door. And then not five seconds later, she her ass is running it. up the stairs. Right. It's just, no, I mean, I think that's great, man. That, and by the way, we should probably mention since it's 1996 and she looks, whew, yeah. Courtney Cox is Gail Weathers. Also a big part of this scene as far as, after they arrest Billy, anyways. I'm definitely a fan of the uh, female cast uh, from. A, <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, like the cast was, they cast this movie so well for what it what it was. Like every character was cast spot on. It like, took a lot of TV, on. a lot of teen TV stars gave them their first movie role. I think that was really smart because the audience they wanted to attract was teens, so because that's big, who. Some, I'm sorry. Some big names actually turned these roles down. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix turned the mm-hmm. role down. I saw yep. that. Um, 
Oh God, I'm drawing a blank. What was the lady in Walk the Line with him? She turned the role down too. Reese Witherspoon. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, didn't know that that one. I didn't even know that one. I'm very glad that both of them turned it down. They I mean, yeah, they linked up later in the Johnny Cash movie, so right. karma worked out good for him. Y'all got any more thoughts on this scene before we move on? I is like this that a scene, a lot. Is this the scene also where, like you said, she was falling asleep and because they were watching the newscast? Is this the scene where they introduce Cotton Weary for the first time too? So they throw that out there, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, well, there's somebody else that could be. There's somebody as else. Far that as could be as the far character. as I know, that's the. I think that's the scene they first mentioned, Cotton Weary. Okay. You know, that's great. I think that's one of the greatest things about this movie here is the whole who done it. Like the who done it is right. like the main focus, like through the whole movie. And that's one of the kind of movies I like. I love those type of movies where I'm like, okay, I let's love figure this movies. out. Yep. Well, it could have been them. It could have been that. And I love that the whole way through. Like I could not figure it out to the end. And I, I can't stand movies that I can just pick off within 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, it's that guy or that girl. So that's the one thing I love about this right. movie. It's like the whole way through, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck did this. Yeah, that's yeah. why I like the uh, Saw franchise so much, which we'll discuss further down the road. Oh, we're going um, to. <laughs> Anyway, now, um, after uh, Billy sneaks into the room, Sydney goes to leave outside, and Deputy Dewey is out there with a ghost face mask, and um, they arrest Billy right then. They go back to the uh, police department, and um, Tatum shows up. Uh, Billy's saying, you know it wasn't me. You know it wasn't you me. You know me. You know and, me. And she won't even look at this guy in the face. She's, like, so fed up with this guy right now. And um, this is a <laughs> this is a funny scene to me. They sneak him out the back door and shout out to. We haven't really talked about Courtney Cox yet, Gail, but we we are now. But um, now she shows up. She's uh, we don't really know what's going on with Gail and Sydney at the moment, but you can feel there's some tension between these right, two. Right. And um, they look at each other right in the face, and they're she's not really answering these questions like she wants to. And then uh, shout out to the side girl Tatum because uh, she gives her the old cross to the the, the old uh, cheek and uh. <laughs> Gail ain't ready for this fight, uh, this hit. Um, what y'all thought on that little scene, real quick? It adds I think it, a layer of spiciness for sure. Yeah, I love it, it introduces man. the uh, the tension between uh, Gail and Sydney. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, honestly, Sydney's probably my, like my absolute favorite in this one. She's like my favorite character. She's probably man. I know. I tell a lie every week. I say this is my favorite final girl. I swear. <laughs> but I am serious. This is my favorite final girl. <laughs> My favorite. She is awesome. Well, I have it written down the same thing, dude. Sydney's yeah. my favorite final girl. Oh, too. yeah. Sydney's without a doubt. But you can tell Craven had a lot to do with this one because yes. Sydney is a lot like Nancy. From a lot her. like Nancy. So that's why I really like the both of them. And yeah. Lori Strode from the first Halloween, even though it's my favorite, she can go to hell. So, Brian, it's like, what, what, what draw, Brian, for you, what draws you the same conclusions like uh, Nancy and Sydney on this? Like, what, what, what characteristics draw the same character, uh, draw well, it in for you? Well, I just mean, and not jumping to the end, but I mean, just how she is, you know, at first, you know, she's a little bit worried about it. It's a little scared. But then when she's had enough, I mean, she's had enough. Like both of them were just like, okay, they're ready to fight. They're ready to take care of business. You know, whereas I think, honestly, Jamie Lee Curtis spent the whole movie running around in Halloween scared to death and just, you know, had to do what she wanted to do. Both of the, <laughs> what's that, a beer opening? But <laughs> both of these, um, you know, girls, they were, hey, they were like, all right, cool. We're ready to fight. We've had enough of it, and it's ready to go. And, you know, that kind of carries on from, you know, once once that clicks, you know, Sydney is, you know, 
she's going to beat your ass in two and three and four, and she's done being scared. Right. Agreed. I was just kind of wondering because, you know, it's like like with Cindy, like I loved it because she's just like, okay, this is kind of a little bit fucked up. But then it was like, okay, it's time to go now. Let me figure this out. She's like – Very Nancy. Very (laughs) Nancy-like. She's kind of Thelma-like, Scooby-Doo, you know. Let's figure (laughs) this out, you know. Let's get this down. I like it. All right, now, um, after this scene, um, after they leave the police station and uh, Gail gets punched in the face, we're back at Tatum's house, and there's a phone call for Sydney and his ghost, his ghost face again. And, you know, she's kind of freaking out now. And um, as, you know, they go, they try and get Dewey in there to, you know, listen to the call, whatever he hangs up. So now they're, you know, they're freaking out a little bit. This, do y'all want to talk about this scene too much or just keep going? I don't think there's really too much depth ki- to it. It's just funny because I have it on in the background, and that's literally the scene it's on. So that's <laughs> good. The only thing I want to say is completely Dewey's, agree with right. The only thing I want to say is completely agree with Mike is that on my cons list, Dewey is. I mean, he's in this movie. Like that's that's the biggest thing about this. And I know they fix it some in the sequels. I'm about to say in, he's in good one, in he's, Scream Two. Right. And to and, jump ahead. And, and and on. I mean, he's he's a little bit more. Like a right. normal human being, and this one he's, he's a big man he's a, child. Yeah. He's a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he became a deputy, but more police than deputy. He must be from <laughs> Deputy <Hattonfield>. Dewey. <laughs> yeah. Deputy Dewey. Look he's at probably, Cotton Weary. Look he's probably trying to figure out why they would steal a rope and a mask and a knife. I mean, right we talked oh. we talked about last episode talking about inept, uh, you know, sheriffs and whatever. Like this is like beyond inept when it comes to Sheriff Dewey. You know oh, the thing. And, Go his ahead, sister, Brian. and his sister Tatum totally disrespects him in front of everybody in that uh, <laughs> in that police station on the way out. Dresses his ass down, Dewey. son. <laughs> you know, I know Wes Craven was a big John Carpenter fan. Do you? Know, I wonder if he makes Deputy Dewey in that kind of like the Haddonfield Police. I don't know if that's that might I be. Think, that I, might I'm not be digging in too deep into it. I don't know. So I think Kevin Williamson wrote that that way because every police in every slasher is inept, and so yeah. I think it's like. Let's make him kind of silly. Beyond that. Right. Right. He's a sympathetic character in a way, especially towards the end. But I, I don't like his <laughs> his story. His story arc doesn't do a whole lot for me. No, I, I agree. All right. So now now we're back at school the next day. Um, Sydney runs into Billy in the hallway. Billy is not sympathetic at all towards Sydney about her mother's death because it's like almost I think the next day it's a year later Billy's kind of like it's been a year get over it you know he's like he brings up the fact that his dad left and whatever he's like you got to get over this stuff so Sydney goes into the bathroom and she's in the stall by herself but there's these two other girls talking bad about her blah 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 she's saying that he probably done it then um the girls leave you know, she goes into the uh, she exits the stall and she's looking in the mirror. Then, and very subtly, you can hear the name Sydney, Sydney, and she's like thinking she's hearing stuff, but now she's like ducking down, looking underneath the stalls. Is somebody in here? Somebody in here? She's looking in the vents, and then you see two boots drop, and the you know the the ghost face uh, costume cape or whatever. You see it. So now we're about to uh, have Sydney versus Ghostface Part Three. Brian, do you have any thoughts on this scene, or you want to break it down real quick? Well, no, I mean, I'll just say that 
um you know i love this movie but you know i can acknowledge its faults too and to this, me like yeah, this is say, this is the worst scene in the whole movie this to scene me sucks and actually i mean it's dumb it's not logical at all how it could work i mean right. you know and but i will say that I, uh, williamson actually didn't like this scene and didn't yeah. want, didn't want it in there the um, West scene Right, this is a totally Wes Craven scene in there at all. And, I mean, I know when it was done, I think Williamson said, oh, yeah, you're right, it's great. But, no, yeah, it's not. It's, it's dog shit. It's, it sucks. He lied to Wes Craven because that scene's awful. I don't even have any other thoughts other than that's probably the worst scene in the movie to me. I agree. Well, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I didn't think it was the the worst scene in the movie, but uh, uh, well, you guys hate the movie, obviously. So you know. I, I don't hate. I'm just kidding. setting it up like we hate the movie I'm just because just we have kidding. a different opinion on what is. What oh, is I'm just bad. kidding. Like, we don't hate the movie. Just kidding, haters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After this scene, um, the uh, principal is kind of like uh, walking around. You know, he's uh, investigating the school. Uh, he's, I think he's, I think this is a scene where he like suspends two guys for, you know, dressing up like uh ghost face yeah. or whatever. You know, he's, uh, here's a, here's a, a reference. Wes Craven is actually dressed like Freddy Krueger as the janitor. Yeah, he's got Fred. the red and green sweater and the, uh, the cow or not a cowboy hat, but the fedora on. Um, then the principal walks his room. He starts, uh, he's looking in the closet. There's nothing in there. He's looking around nothing. Then he closes the door. Then Ghostface pops out and gets a pat pat, which stabs him in the gut and drops him. Do y'all got any thoughts on this scene, real quick, Brian? Hey, hey. <laughs> it's yeah, the I mean, as much, as much as I love the Fonz, man, he could have done a little bit better acting in this scene. You don't but, say. Uh, but <laughs> he's always going to be Mr. Coach Klein to me. Coach Klein. <laughs> Mr. Klein. Um, well, yeah, that'll show you. That shows your age right there, man. Just that you're uh, that he's, he's water boy, Coach Klein. Exactly, age. exactly. Tell him, Brian. Tell him. Hey, I said Fonz. Hey, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Like you know, it just goes to say, hey, like in Zombie Land, double tap, baby. Tap tap. You rap. <laughs> but but I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad it's there. It's not really. It's not super logical. I mean, that there would be zero people, you know, in the school. There's a lot of problems with the scene, but I do understand why it's there because you see it kind of come back in the third scene where, you know, the uh, the, the big the third act of the film where, you know, everybody leaves to go, you know, see him apparently hanging up on the, in the goalpost gutted. Right. And, you know, then it leaves just your main characters in the house by itself. So I understand the point, you know, or why it's there and, you know, the, what what the setup is later. Um, as as it's seen by itself, though, yeah, I mean, it could use some work. This kill is in uh, the running for the worst kill of the movie to me. But um, Mike, Mike, you got any thoughts on this scene, real quick? Well, you know my you know my grief with the 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 kills in this franchise: stabs to the neck, stabs to the back, stabs to the gut, stabs to the ass, like whatever. Like, and I know there there's some better kills in this first one. You know, we'll touch on it later. The stew kill. The garage kill, which, bleh, we'll get to. But, hey, I mean, now. Okay. easy now. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, but other than that, and throughout the rest of the franchise, it's very stab. Tequels come later, and the movie within the movie is stab. So I kind of get that. I understand that. But at the same time, as far as a negative from this movie, the kills don't really do a whole lot for me. Except the opening two with the guts hanging out. That 
And by the way, that ties into later is how do you how do you get someone and you start from sternum to mm-hmm. yeah yeah but, but still the kills don't do a whole lot for me. Drew, you got anything about this principal kill, or do you want to go ahead and just move on? No, we can go ahead and move on. There's nothing like fantastic about it, nothing terrible about it. I mean, like Brian said, like it sets up something later on in the movie, which we understand why once we get right. to that part. Right. And honestly, the it, that doesn't make sense to me either, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> due to all the deaths in the town, the town has put on a curfew. And um, let me flip my notes on my page real quick. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm at the scene where they're talking shit about Sydney in the bathroom. And and I feel so – man, my heart hurts for Nev. She's, she delivers that scene so emotional. I'm going to call her and make sure she's still okay. <laughs> All right. Now, after this part right here is where I start to wonder, like, what 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 is this town doing? Because Deputy Dewey, after this scene, <laughs> drops Sydney and Tatum off at a house party, a high school house party. What what is going on right now? You know what I'm saying? Does this make sense at all right now that you guys? Not at all. I have never been invited to a party like that before ever in my life. But that was the satire. Like I did, like I'm not saying it's right. I'm just what saying was that was now? clearly the direction they were going for was to, to make you think this is stupid, you idiots. Like I think that's kind of the trope they were playing on. That's I don't I don't know. I mean. I don't know. It's a small town thing. I mean, and you know, you get the oh, small town sure. thing with the with the with the curfew. You've got the really small yeah. town issue with the inept police department. Yeah. And those those house part those house parties like that where around here it was uh, going out in the cornfields and having a big bonfire house party type mm-hmm. thing. Like it's mm-hmm. a small town thing. Man. Where I'm at, ex wife. So I can give them that. Give them. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after they get dropped off at this house party, uh. Gail and her cameraman show up in their uh, their rigged out van, and uh, Gail's got uh, she's got a she's got an idea in mind. She's gonna sneak into this party, so she gets with Deputy Dewey, and she's got a camera. She's gonna uh, drop off so she can watch what's going on in there. She gets inside with Dewey. She drops his camera off. I think it's on top of the VCR, I guess, or whatever. And um, so now. The guy in the van can watch everything they're doing. He can see everything that go, they're doing. But there's a 30-second delay, which will come into play in a little bit. Um, and now, you know, uh, Stewart and Tatum, they're, they're a couple. They're, you know, hanging out. And he's like, hey, go to the garage and get us a beer. So she's like, uh, okay. So she goes and gets a beer for both of them. And then all of a sudden the door closes and Ghostface shows up. This is probably... Outside of the opening kill is probably my f- most memorable f- kill, probably. Um, no, my man Brian's shaking his head. And Mike, oh, no. All right, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, we disagree. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead. I just No, I just – I, I mean, it's even... stu- it, it is stupid that a grown woman tries to sneak out of a dog door, but the kill is recognized – or it's memorable, you know. It's definitely a memorable kill, but just real quick, the because logic so of – terrible. The, yeah, the, the logic, logic of that exactly. garage door holding her weight is is not that ain't it, Chief. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It was, man. She didn't have some big tata. She would have been. She would have been all right. I was gonna say her flotation devices caused that. Man, we're gonna get kicked off. Whatever we're on. <laughs> no. So, so I don't. Okay. I talked about it earlier. I don't necessarily hate the garage kill. It's just, and it is memorable, but it's definitely not my favorite of the movie. Like I. Yeah, it gets a thumbs down just because it it 
Again, it lacks logic. I know we've kind of said that's kind of the whole point of the movie a little bit. But even this kill is kind of like, eh, eh, I'll pass. Like, I actually think I would have just rather had a cutaway kill. Like, just like stab, excuse me, stab to the neck, stab to the back, <laughs> stab to the gut. Right. See, Mike, you don't complain about all the kills being stabbed. I know. Get something different. <laughs> well, this you... different sucks. <laughs> kind of like Halloween Resurrection. But Oh, okay. Oh. Taking, taking low blows here. I uh, one it, thing I did. One thing I did write down on my notes was all the Tatum and Sydney. They they put up a pretty good fight against Ghostface yeah, for a majority of the part. You know, she's throwing, hitting him in. She's hitting him with bottles. She's hitting him in the head with the uh, ref- the freezer door. It's like, to me, it's like when you knock the dude over with the freezer door, like start kicking the shit out of him while he's down. You know, don't try and crawl out the dog door. <laughs> Um, do y'all got any more thoughts on this death, or we can? Nah, we can move. Yeah, we can move just like she tried to move out that doggy door. Uh, <laughs> all right, we can her, man. Hmm. I wrote down my notes right after this. I guess there were some some facial gestures made, but I wrote down Billy and Stewart are so obvious the killers at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, uh. Especially upon a rewatch, you're yeah. kind of like, uh, this and is th- obvious. Yeah, after after that scene, you know, they're all. The, all the people are watching uh, Halloween on VHS. Yeah. Uh, Randy kind of gives them, you know, the spill on what love, you don't do or what you do do in a horror movie to survive. And then he gets a phone call and he turns around. And he's like, they found the principal's body hanging from the goalpost gutted. And like, to me, this doesn't make sense because um, all the all of them leave to go see it. But it's like. <laughs> are the police going to let them see all that? Uh, ain't they going to be gone? Somebody see, called the, you and said, hey, man, our, our principal's hanging by the goalpost. You're going to be like, well, shit, let's go see if we can check it out. Yep, small town thing, That's a high school. Small I don't know, town, small town. Small that, town, that, that, man. That's like legit 100%. You're going to be like, well, shit, let's see if we can go check it out. Uh, that's a small town thing, I think, man. Oh, I yeah, think. but trust me. when right. I, I understand that because I grew up in a small town, like right. a, a town with you would sneeze at one end and somebody would say bless you at the end. <laughs> right. No, man, I, I love this scene other than I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I really love Randy, the character. So this scene is kind of like his his best scene to me. Um, I mean, we kind of skipped over the movie store in a good way because that scene is not really it doesn't do a whole lot for me. But I love his. There are certain rules that one must abide by. To successfully survive a horror movie. Love that quote. I say it all the time. It's a great line. And then, I don't know if we're here yet, but there's a little Easter egg. Randy is about to get stabbed. Where he goes, and Halloween's playing. And Michael Myers is about to creep up behind uh, Laurie Strode. And he says, look out, Jamie. And that's kind of an Easter egg because the actor who plays the, the actor who plays him is Jamie Kennedy. And so, haha! Look out behind you, Jamie. And right behind him is Ghostface, who stabs him. So that's like really why I love this scene is the meta behind it. As many times as I've seen, love this movie. I never ever noticed that. So I'm very glad that you said that. <laughs> that's very cool to hear. I love the third act of this film. To me, it's just as good as the first act of the film. Yeah, maybe not opening scene, but it's. It keeps switching around. I, I mean, on, on upon rewatch, you're right. Like you can see the nuances and things, and it's very obvious who the killer is. You you don't to me. You still you can say it all you want to, but I really don't think anybody could have guessed that there would be two killers. Even if you try to figure out the killer, 
there, to me, I don't think you ever would feel that, figure out that there was two, you know, and the fact that this third act keeps switching around who the killer is, is, is it the dad? Because they, they tried to push that. It might be Sydney's dad coming back into right. town. You know, they find the car. Is it cotton weary? You know, is it, who, who is, it? is it really Billy? So I, like I said, I really love the third act of this film. You know, the, the garage, the garage door kill, uh, withstanding. And so interesting note about that last act. As far as I know, they shot that all in like one really long night. Is that right? Like one really long. They called it. Uh, they called it slasher boot camp, if I'm not mistaken. Like they were put through the ringer. They all were at that one house, at that one location. They only had that location for a certain amount of time, and they and they filmed forever to get all that stuff in. So I know people. Uh, there, I mean, they had shirts made after the fact that I survived house, whatever the name of the house was. And so Mike, that's actually um, really cool to know. Mike, I actually read an article today that said that um, that last scene in the house took them 21 days to film all that. Oh, sorry. Said, wrong thing. <laughs> see, they, they said that it was the longest one night. That's what no, it was. Were, they that's said it was, the, it was the longest one night, uh, you know, the longest scene in a horror movie ever. <laughs> right. That. The, that's what I meant is that it was like a re- it took a really long time to film one freaking night. Right. 21 days. My ass. Man, kill yeah. me instead. Just kill me off. Done. 21 here. day fix, baby. <laughs> oh, jeez. Sydney, you know, she's fighting Ghostface. Uh, she goes back. She gets the gun and she shuts um, Stuart and Randy outside. And then we see Billy get up. He's hobbling down. He actually falls down the stairs. He lets them in. Then he's talking about how it's uh, what red corn syrup or something that is, it's the same stuff they use in Carrie. So we're starting to think it's, we're getting to the reveal now that it was Billy who did who actually did kill him. Then uh, they let Randy in. Billy shoots Randy. He does well. He doesn't die, but he falls out. Then um, then Stewart comes in and they start talking about how Hanna, they start bringing up references to Hannibal Lecter, um, Janet Lee from Psycho. They um, <laughs> then they start taking turns stabbing each other, and this is where Stewart's acting is kind of uh, oh, little, you don't what I call oh. I'll, we got see here's another difference we have it's kind of uh, extra as I call it. He's like I think I'm dying, man. I think I'm dying. You went a little too deep. Uh, you deep, man. Well, I think that just that just that just plays to his character though, man. He's yeah. a little he's a little crazy, and you got to be a little crazy. To you know, just start killing people due to peer pressure, man. Peer pressure, so, man. It's <laughs> just too much. Watch, watch a couple movies, take a couple notes. It was fun. Then they bring you know Sydney's dad out. They're painting the picture of how they're gonna frame him that he done it. Even though Stewart puts the voice thing right back in his pocket with his fingerprints all over it. Um, then Sydney uh, starts to fight back. Or Gail gets the gun. She sneaks in and gets the gun because they can't find it. But she forgets to turn the safety off, so they knock her down on top of Deputy Dewey. Then uh, Sydney's missing, and she comes out of the uh, closet with the ghost face mask on and an umbrella. She stabs Billy with it twice. Then her and Stewart get into a little battle. They start wrestling, fall over the uh, couch and all that. Then this, uh, I think this is pretty obvious, a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 reference, yes. where she drops a TV on his head uh, and kills. Uh, she kills Stewart that way. Oh, I love that. That it, that was a good kill. That's up there with one of my kill. favorite kills. Yeah, love that kill. That's my favorite kill of the movie. My worst. Oh, you. That's because you hate the movie, obviously. 
<laughs> and yeah, and then Billy gets on top of uh, Sydney, but Gail comes in and shoots. Um, she shoots Billy right in the collarbone area with the gun. He falls down. Then this is where Randy tells Gail and uh, Sydney, "This is where the last final killer always has one last minute where he sits up. He opens his eyes, sits up, and bam! Sydney pops him right in the head with a gun, and it's over." So, uh, yeah, the, what's y'all's uh, brief thoughts on this uh, final uh, scene in the house? Go ahead, Brian. Well, I mean, you know, they actually argued whether or not to even have motivation for the killers or not at all. Um, I think, you know, so I think they, they ended up doing both um, to kind of make all parties happy where they had, you know, Billy's pissed because, you know, because her mom slept with his dad and broke them up and that marriage and whole thing. And then Stu, Stu's just, you know, peer pressure, like we talked about earlier. Um, there's, you know realistically you know how much of this third act could have could have you know really happened yeah i don't know that's kind of where you have to suspend your belief a little bit but um i really enjoy the like i said the third act of this film just as much as i do the first so um i think it's great okay so i love the randy stuff i love i know you didn't but i love Stu in this final act like i think he's I know it's supposed to be a horror but it doesn't take his comedy doesn't take me out of it because it's almost sick it's almost kind of twisted and de- demented in a way where he's like, he's like, my parents are going to be so mad at me. Like, I don't know. Like I, I like his one liners. I understand it's a little hokey for some, but it didn't, it didn't turn me off of it at all. And I like the fact that there were two killers because a lot of the kills in this, when you go back, a lot of the kills make a lot more sense when you have two people doing them. And so I really thought that was well done. And, and so I love the way Sydney. And I love how they involve Gail. She's not one of the teenagers, which is kind of normally the ones who survive. She's not one of those. She's just a adult character in this movie. I love how that works. And so I thought they did really well, man. And again, I love the gore in this final scene. I'm not a big blood and guts guy, but I love I love how much blood they use. And they're taking turns stabbing each other. I thought it was great. I know it's not for everyone, but I really loved it. I will touch on one thing real quick before we get into the debate on this movie. There's two scenes that I forgot that I didn't really take great notes on that I thought were good was uh, in the video store scene where Randy and Stewart and um, Billy were all, you know, you know, Randy's going, you know, horror movie nerd times 10 at his job freaking out. I was like, this is what the horror movie guy does. Like, <laughs> it's so obvious that it's him. I Wait, know. Me too. It, could, it could be me and it could frame me. <laughs> I really like that scene. I should have. I, I didn't take great notes on that part, but that is a great scene. And uh, one scene that um, I didn't take a lot of notes on was uh, after Tatum's death, Billy and Sydney go to the room. She finally, you know, gives up the box uh, to him. Yeah. After, you know, and then uh, this is where they kind of. Uh, this is when Stewart sneaks in, you know, and fake kills uh, Billy. So I, I did skip those part those scenes by by mistake in my note taking but they were uh they were two of my favorite scenes as well though so they got around one of randy's rules and i think this a lot of people uh this is something a lot of people don't realize is they got around one of randy's rules which is never have sex they got around that with sydney because she had sex with the killer and so i think that was the reason that she ended up surviving was because well she had sex with the killer instead of just some random scrub off the street like she had sex with the killer so i think they kind of 
that's another little Easter egg they don't really mention a lot, but I've watched the director's commentary and they talk about it in that. I, I know Drew just ready to shit all over this final scene, so please go ahead. Let, let's do y- y'all want to do our rankings first, then get into it, or do y'all want to just do, go ahead and jump into the debate? I mean, you already know where my 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 favorite is Drew. Favorite kill Drew. Worst. Okay. What was that favorite of yours, Mike? What was your favorite? Oh wow. You like the garage kill more than the stew kill? Yeah, the stew oh. kill. I'm just like a TV on his fucking face. I'm just like. That's <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street three, brother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, Freddy, if Freddy, yeah, Freddy Krueger's head would have popped out. It would have been better. Uh, my favorite death. I'm, I'm just gonna give it a tie between Casey and um, Tatum. I like both of their deaths. And my least favorite kill is either the principal or the uh, the cameraman. The, you know, the quick throat slip. Right. But you know that one wasn't supposed to be elaborate. Brian, what was yours? Um, well, I mean, my, mine's probably the same as Mike's. Mine's gonna be the uh, Drew Barrymore kill at the beginning is obviously the favorite. Worst kill. I, I don't like the garage door kill at all. That's my favorite. Or that's my worst one. Um, if if I have to, and and I'll throw it out. Like my ranking for this movie is a nine point five. So I uh, so my favorite kill is Drew Barrymore, like like everyone else most of the time. It's not Stu. I know I said that, but I slip up sometimes. It's definitely <laughs> my number two though. So screw you, Drew. Uh, my least favorite <laughs> my least favorite kill is the cameraman. But obviously, I mean that wasn't supposed to be elaborate, but. If we're going to go least favorite, it's definitely a tie between that and the garage door. Uh, my Since he threw his out there, my my rating for this is a nine. I love this movie. I can I can pop this movie in any time and enjoy it. It's rewatchable to me. I understand it's not the scariest film of all time. I don't think it was supposed to be. It was supposed to kind of flip the horror genre on its head, and it did that. And so I, again, not the scariest movie of all time, but it's a nine for me. I, again... Anytime I want to, I can rewatch it and be entertained. I'm gonna let Nico Nate, let Nico drop his uh, ranking on this, and then I'm gonna throw a curveball for y'all. Oh boy, okay. So I didn't write it down like I did for Halloween, but just off my natural, just just off how I'm feeling after watching it, you know, when I was six or seven years old, and then rewatching it a few times, I'm gonna go with an 8.5. Um, I think. The first time you watch it, it is it might be a 9.5 the first time you watch it. To me, the extraness of all the extra meta is kind of too much at some points. But um, the opening scene is amazing. It's incredible. Uh, the first time you watch it, I think all of the ghost face calls are very, very tense. And they put you in a weird state of feeling to me. Um, I think Nev Campbell, uh, Sydney, she's great. Um I like I like Jamie Kennedy, Randy a lot in this movie. Actually, I don't like Deputy Dewey, but um, I don't. I think considering this movie is 23 years old, I think it holds up well still. And uh, and this movie changed the genre a lot. It it reawoke the genre a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it's it's very meta, yes, but I still like it. 8.5. Drew, what's yours? It had a lot of copycats, by the way. I am actually gonna go, and this might, this might surprise y'all because everybody thinks I fucking hate this this show. I mean, this movie, but I'm actually gonna go 9.5 on the movie rate, rating here. There we go. There total we go. total package, like it's got a little bit of everything. Like even though I don't I don't consider it the, the your quintessential you know horror movie, but as far as the total movie package, it's got everything. 
got a great got a great musical score goes with it. Great actors. There, yes, there's some moments in there, but what movie doesn't have bad moments? So right. uh, yeah, it's a 9.5 for me. On I, I would if it came on on TNT, I would watch it every time. So real quick before we get into why most people are listening to this, how do you guys feel about the ghost face costume? See, it's so cheesy, but that it works though. To I me. think it kind of works, but it works. I th- I think it was it, its intention was to be as plain and simple as possible. Um, anybody, could I, get, anybody could get the costume, right? I think that's the kind of the point is because at, right. unlike all the rest of our slasher favorites, different people have been Ghostface each time. There's been a movie or even the TV series. Um, so I I kind of understand that anybody can go. I mean, they even talk about it in the in the in in the police department scene where anybody can go to this dime store and get it anytime they want. And so I think that that kind of helps a little bit. I've always liked the mask. The mask I love. Um, mm-hmm. It's been used throughout pop culture still to this day for lots of stuff. Um, I know football players wear it after after they score a touchdown or Gary have an Terry interception. Man. Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely – again, it's still a relevant uh, pop culture item to this day, so – uh, again, a movie that kind of shook the ground, and it's still relevant. Well, in the 90s, you talk about that mask in the 90s. Er, er, when you were trick-or-treating I every did. single year, there were 10 or 15 kids that had had masks. And I masks. had one that pumped blood. Like it yeah. had like a little pump, and it had exactly. blood, and it shot up in the mask. And like, you, and like you said, the point could be – anybody could be could be Ghostface, and that, right. that mm-hmm. was a point, like you mm-hmm. said. Right. Yeah, I actually wrote that down too. Um I re- actually ranked that mask number three overall in the horror genre, you know, behind sense. Jason and uh, Michael Myers. Right. It's the third most recognizable. Oh, for sure. Um, and, you know, a fun fact about that mask is the um, the studio actually didn't think the mask was scary enough. Wes Craven had to convince them it was. Yep. Yep. They had to do, like, sample, you know, recordings to convince them. It's like, hey, man, this mask is, you know, it's, it's scary. It'll work. And so the, the studio really wasn't a believer in it at first, but, you know. The OG Wes Craven had to convince him otherwise. Yeah, it got picked up by two different uh, agencies. At first, it wasn't going to get picked up by a major like uh, studio, and then the Weinstein brothers picked it up. Right. And actually- yeah, uh, actually, some some famous directors actually turned this movie down. Quentin Tarantino uh, was one of them. Uh, there was someone else that's coming up blank, though. But uh, I'm going to read a definition, and we're going to jump into this debate. You ready, guys? Do it. The definition of meta-horror. Horror movies that acknowledge the events occurring are like a horror movie. So um, this is kind of the great debate between all of us. Um, Mike, do you want to start this off? Or Brian? <laughs> I'm going to let Drew start it off. He's he, He's yeah. been chomping at the bit, man. And so, uh, and, and by the way, I'm okay with difference of opinion. Like, we all rated this movie high. So we clearly yeah. all like the movie. We just have a different definition of how the movie should be classified. Let's get ready to rumble. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, like I, I get so much sla- uh, flack for it because everybody thinks I hate the movie. I do not hate the movie. I absolutely love this movie. But to me, it's got to have its own classification. It really does. It's, it's, it's kind of like a horror comedy mixture between the both of them because he plays on the satire the whole way through. Like, just like, Oh, this is what this is what people really think. This is what's gonna happen during a horror movie. And then he's like, "Huh, huh guess what? It kind of went that way." But then again, it's not. I just love 
the fact that it just keeps you guessing all the way through. It just does. It's not a horror movie for me though. Like I don't. It's not a horror movie. It, it's a slasher for sure. But it, to me, is there's just so many uh, comic relief in it, like with Dewey and with uh, dang, what's his name? Randy and yeah. Stu. But Stu. in their Stu. defense, they're both kind of comedic people. You know what I mean? Like uh, I both, get that. Right. I get right. That. Right. But I'm just so, saying, like for me, right. like again, it's not it's not a big it's not a big deal for me, like to say like, oh, uh, you know, it's not a great movie. It's it's a great movie. Right. I just don't classify it as a horror movie. Right, because Freddy is funny. Freddy Krueger is funny. Exactly. So even in in slashers like that, he has funny lines and funny scenes. So humor in horror exists. As a matter of fact, Toby Hooper really wanted that first Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be a dark comedy. And he probably shot the wrong damn thing because that movie is not funny at all in any way. Part two is hilarious, is actually really hilarious. But anyway, so again, that exists within the genre. Halloween 2018 used it. There's a lot of funny scenes in that movie. And I wouldn't consider that necessarily a horror comedy. It's a satire. And by the way, the great writers of our time, not to sound like a, a, a jerk here, but the greatest writers of our time use satire. Billy Shakespeare use satire all the time in his big plays and so again i understand what you're saying it makes <clears throat> it, there is some funny elements and it is very meta like like uh like nico said it's it's the most meta film i've ever seen and but i, I wouldn't say it's a spoof because a spoof is a mimic no and that's what and that's what scary movie ended up being which is a mm -hmm. freaking mimic of the was and he's got like the <laughs> sideways ghost mask and stuff. And so I get that, but if that, that opening scene, and there's a couple other scenes in here where the tension is great. They shoot it like a real horror movie, but it's kind oh, of, they shoot it like what? They shoot it like a real horror, a horror movie, which makes <laughs> it, which makes just, it a just, real horror movie. You destroyed your own argument. No, with that that makes sense. it a real horror movie. I'm just saying, like you sitting there saying, like, uh, yeah, there's like, com uh, there's like comedy mixed in with some of these, like with Jason or with Freddie or whatever. Comedy yeah. and Jason, Freddie, like, like one Jason. or two scenes. You're talking about a whole movie that has them throughout the whole movie. I wouldn't. I think that the acting of Jamie Kennedy and Matthew Lillard, for some people, kind of takes away from the realness of the movie. But I guess because they're just comedic actors. I'm gonna let Brian get his piece in because again, it's kind of funny. You wrote a piece on this. In high school, Drew and I wrote a piece on this in college about about our sides of the argument. So it's kind of funny. We both which have, is hilarious. That, and, and here we are. Here we are. What ten, <laughs> 10 years later, and here yeah, we are. At least, at least. like a random pod that I we know, made right? together as friends. I know. And so I'm a big fan of the movie. I'm gonna defend it, and I know you're not trashing the movie. But oh, I never, think, never. I do think there's enough in it to classify it as a horror. If you want to say black comedy, I'm fine with it. Like yeah. I. Like, if you really want to go there. But I would consider it a horror film. All right, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Help a brother out. Dog. Help a brother out. Come on. No, I mean, no, I'm I'm with you 100%. I really do think that you could definitely call this a horror film. But I, th I also think that people throw that around. Like for Alien, for instance. You know, it's right. it's it's science fiction, but it's also considered horror. Now, Aliens Ooh. 2 isn't, but Alien is also I considered horror. Yeah, too. right. No, the original Alien is a horror film. Right, exactly. And Definitely. so, I mean, it, mo that's why I think, honestly, that's why a lot, of, a lot of people have started just referring to these things.
slashers, I think, just because to get away from that whole the whole right. category. But you know, if you're saying, hey, is this horror? Is this not horror? I mean, I think if you're going to put Halloween in there, and if you're going to put Nightmare on Elm Street in there, yeah, I mean, I don't. Of course, I think Scream's right up there with it, and I think it definitely is a horror movie. If you, I, think... I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a combination. I don't think it's standalone horror. I think that's my, I think that might be my biggest hangup on it. It's not standalone horror, right? If that makes sense, it's not standalone horror. I would like, agree so, with that. Like I don't, obviously, right. I do not. Right, think I understand what you're saying. Horror at all. There's some great parts in it that are hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not not acknowledging that, but. If you think Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare is horror, then this is horror too. Freddy's Dead. Well, I don't. Okay, then that's fine. Because <laughs> what's our line here? Because the last three Nightmare on Elm Streets are not horror. Well, I mean, it's obviously it's a per. I mean, it's obviously a personal. It's obviously a personal choice on what you feel right. like different right. things are, which is the great thing about this. But I will oh, say, absolutely. That without without Scream, I don't think we would have got some of the franchises we got in the early two thousands. Hey, you know, we hey because what like produced all them other ones that came after it. They're right. like, oh yes, we can make horror movies and we can make a, a good buck off of it. Right. So like and you know, right. So like that, I've been I I totally acknowledge like without Scream, I don't think some of the movies that like I went and seen in two thousand three, two thousand four would have been made. So because of Scream, we got the rush of horror again. Whether Mm-hmm. And that's not even just a slasher movie talking about, you know, I know what you did last summer is kind of a slasher uh, <laughs> faculty and all that stuff. Hey, don't you shit on. I know Dude, what you did last summer. Oh, I love that movie anyway. Dude. So, but you know, and even how we need to can thank scream for being in existence at all because it's meta, but not so meta like scream. And so there's a lot that's that a lot of the, the horror genre can thank scream for reviving it for being, oh, yeah. And then the Blair Witch kind of took that and flipped it again and made it even more popular. And so every now and then a movie comes along that kind of changes the genre. And and Blair Witch, whether you like that movie or not, did it. Scream yeah. did it. Um, heck, Nightmare on Elm Street did it. Halloween, the original one, did it. So there's always a, there's always a next movie. And Saw. Saw kicked off the torture porn. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they do it better than any other torture porn franchise. Like so- They do it better than everyone else. So, like, the biggest thing I can say right here is no matter what I say, no matter what you say right here, numbers numbers do not lie. Scream earned $173 million worldwide. I leave, man. <laughs> becoming the highest-grossing slasher film until the release of Halloween 2018. Wow. That, that is big numbers. And I know I ranked oh, – oh, I was about to give a spoiler. I know I – I'm a big fan of Halloween 2018, but Scream's a better film to no, me. No. Oh, uh, Scream's a better film go, to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, no, that's all I got. No, I, I love them both, by the way. All right. All right. Let me, I'll just give my quick thoughts on this real quick. I have to just listen to you guys because I, I see all three of you guys' point of view, honestly. Well, I mean, to me, them two, and then there's me. Which one you all need? To me. <laughs> To me, this movie was very scary the first time I seen it, but the more I watch it, the more I think it's funny. You know what I'm saying? Right, to me, right. To me, I lose, after watching so many horror movies and slashers since this has been out, right. to me, after the first scene, I lose the tension that makes a slasher movie or a horror movie throughout the movie. Um, you know, y'all brought up Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. 
to me, those movies keep the tension throughout the whole movie, even right. if there are funny scenes. To me, the, the screams, it just, I don't feel that, I don't feel really scared at all watching it. But um, it it does, you know, it makes fun, you know, it makes fun of, like, how people acting in the horror and slasher movies. It, uh, and I heard Mike bring up the part about, you know, Jamie Kennedy is yelling about, you know, an actress named Jamie, you know, telling her to turn around when he was supposed to turn around. I really like all that, you know. It, yeah. To me, it, it's kind of hard to to like categorize this movie because it's so different than all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's what you know. I guess that's what really caught created meta horror. I mean, I can't be disrespectful to the movie and say it's not horror because no, it, it, it is horror. Yeah. But it's it's got a lot of comedic, you know. Right. Right. But then, but then I think I think Mike said it best or he said it in one of our previous films that a lot of uh, comedians and horror writers, you know, they feed into that. You know, they both both genres feed into each other. They do. Because I absolutely because you see you see a guy like Jordan Peele, you know, he's famous from Key and Peele as a, a comedian. And now he's writing, you know, horror movies now. So um, but, yeah, I I I understand where all three of you guys are coming from. Drew, you got anything else you want to say? No, I mean that's it. Like I, my thing is, is like it, to me, it should be classified as a combo. It's just not a standalone horror. And, and in my opinion, everybody not not agree with it, which right. is fine. It's just a person. I mean, obviously, it's a personal preference. Right. That's it. That's all I was gonna say on it. I still love I, you, Mike. I still love you too. I think my only argument really against it was, and we're kind of on the same side of the coin. I'm willing to acknowledge that it has some comedy in it, but at, at the same time. I mean, I know a lot of horror films that I like that also have some comedy in them. And so I get what you're saying. There's maybe a little bit overdone here. Um, I understand that. But I love it for that, I guess. I guess I just like it for those reasons. As they kind of like flip flip some of those ha-ha horror tropes on their head and make them even better. And so that's kind of why I love the film. And again, there's the last three Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They're not really scary. Yeah. <laughs> At all, and and but you still but Freddie became a character of himself. He became yes. he be, he became funny Freddie, and there was no turning back. And so um, I think you know I get what you're saying, but I'm still going to stick with it being a horror film. It's definitely a slasher film. I, I mean, we all agree it's a really good slasher film. Like it's a really good who done it. By the way, it's exactly. a really good who done it. Like maybe my favorite who done it ever. What no matter what your opinion is, I mean you're not wrong about it. You know it's your opinion. Right. It's just, right. you know, this was just a discussion amongst all of us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but on the Freddy thing, didn't the studio kind of push him further and further away from the dark humor and made him into the oh, funny guy? Oh, absolutely. So they kind of, they right. kind of ruined the Freddy character themselves, right. really. And Robert Englund ain't gonna stop casting them checks, so I don't blame him. You got to make that money now. Here's one thing we can all agree on: as I watch. Scream right in front of me here. Nev Campbell in 96. Mm. She can get it. She got it then. She can get it now. <laughs> well, hey, and the, and the last thing that I'll say, too, about this is I really think that this – if you're, it trying to say that it's a horror movie and it, it being a horror movie, um, it has to deal with something that no one, none of the other horror movies ever have had to deal with, and that is the popularity of – of that scary movie franchise that came out. Yeah, that, that's a good point. There are parts of when you try to remember you Scream, think. 
you think you you know uh, you'll you'll remember a part of scary movie and think that it's part of, you know that oh okay well maybe that was part of it and that's just and that was such a huge part of pop culture because scary movie one and two with the wayans brothers doing them was so huge and i would like to see the box office numbers on that but that's something like i said that that's uh scream had to deal with that they they that they didn't have to fun fact that scream was originally titled scary, scary movie. movie yep, yep. <laughs> so no i agree but by the way i'm glad you touched on that because i forgot completely about that that definitely affected scream in the in the way of of your consciousness, I think a lot of people sometimes, if you're not horror people like us, confuse the two. There's definitely some confusion there with just like a casual moviegoer because they both have the ghost face mask. And I think that they both think of them as all the time silly haha. And there's definitely some silly haha on screen. But scary 278 movie. $278 million. That's a lot of damn money. $278 uh, million Or a spoof. The spoof of Scream. That's wow. insane, man. Wow. Well, to be to 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 be on the other side of the fence of Brian, not to you know just argue with him, but I feel like Scream was so easy to spoof because it had so much comedy in it. Well, because, because it made fun of itself, right? Yeah, but you know, I mean, right. like I can't remember what Scream it is, but you know, they reference you know Saul with Doctor Phil and all that. But if anybody ever thinks of a Saul movie, nobody thinks of that scene. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. But um, I, don't, I well, guess the self awareness of the Scream franchise and scary movie just play into each other so much that it is easy just to confuse it well no i mean and i think that you can kind of see with with scream 2 um i think scream 2 has a lot less comedy in it because it of that reason it does because, and i think because they are aware of the fact that scary movie was a spoof of them they wanted to kind of go more the other way right mm-hmm. i think scream 2 is that script uh, even though i'm pretty sure he wrote it Pretty yeah. soon after he probably wrote Scream, he had an idea for a sequel. Is I, I think it's a reaction to. Uh, I think a lot of Scream Two is a reaction to Scream One, where maybe a lot of people didn't take it that seriously. If, if you watch Scream Two, and I, I just watched it the other night because I just you know was in the mood for it and I wanted some context for Scream One. It's a lot less funny. There's a lot less haha in Scream Two and Scream Three, which I I don't really care for all that much. Um, there's definitely a lot less funny in that. And since we're on it, Scream 4, I love. And there's not <laughs> a lot of humor in Scream 4. Not a lot of humor in Scream 4. Well, so, I love the first half of Scream 4 that Kevin Williamson wrote, but you can see exactly where the writer yeah, that wrote Scream 3 picked it up. Like right yeah, but I lo- the cop yeah. scene where they're joking around. Yeah. But the character of Kirby in Scream 4 is great. Anyway, I would have, I would have to go I would have to go back and watch two through four or whatever it is because you uh, can skip three. I can tell you one. I watched one a bunch of times. The rest of them, maybe once or twice. Hey, go watch scre- the opening scene to Scream Two. That yeah, Scream Two is great. Yeah. Scream Two is awesome, man. And Scream Three, you could probably <coughs> skip. I'm not gonna lie to you. You could skip it, and you really won't miss anything because Scream Four doesn't. It, Scream Three retcons Scream One, and then Scream Four kind of fixes it. A little bit, and so I'm kind of glad. But anyway, I like the whole Scream franchise as a whole. I mean, I think the continent. By the way, we don't get this in a lot of our slasher franchises, and I'll I'll stop talking here. But you get a lot of the same actors playing the same characters, and that's very rare in a slasher franchise. Very very yeah. rare. Well, guys, um, that was a great Scream debate of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we were a little you- nicer than we thought. Sorry. 
Yeah, I, I knew we was gonna all, you know, we're all grown. We are, we're all horror fans. I knew we right. wasn't gonna be, you know, like Stephen A. and Skip Bayless on Tim Tebow, kind of <laughs> arguing at each other. But um, <clears throat> the disrespect. Hey, tweet tweet the uh, podcast account. Let us know your thoughts on the Scream franchise. Let us know your thoughts on the Scream movie. We like we we really really enjoy interacting with you guys. Absolutely, man. And we appreciate all of your uh, listens, all of your feedback. We're on iTunes now. We we got our mentions blown up the other day about getting our ass on iTunes, and we well, are thank on you there. For that. Thank and you for that. We appreciate it, guys. We we appreciate all of the all of the concerns to make us better. We appreciate it. Um, and for episode four, we're going to be reviewing. We're finally going to get to my favorite, the greatest slasher of all time, Jason Voorhees from Camp Crystal Lake. We're going to be reviewing uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Uh, we're going to be talking about Tommy Jarvis, uh, Crispin Glover's awesome dance moves. Uh, Crispin <laughs> <all>, Glover, man. <laughs> all the good stuff. I'm not going to say where it ranks on my uh, Friday 13th list, list yet, we but it's give coming something soon. to listen to. Yeah, get, it's coming. Just stay stay tuned to alert, like DJ Collins said. Oh, and um, stay tuned on Halloween. Uh, your boy might be having a giveaway coming up soon because he appreciates all the fan support. All right, everybody. Uh, say goodbye to all of our fans, real quick. Brian, and y'all tweet y'all support for me. Y'all, y'all let Mike know that my my, oh. my stance is right. <laughs> Hashtag Team Drew. <laughs> Mike, do you want to say something else, real quick? Hey, real quick. Uh, keep your ears open on Halloween as well. That's all I say. A little tease, and that's a little teaser. Keep yeah, your stay, keep your podcast feeds open. Stay tuned, alert. Stay tuned, alert. Yeah, yeah. Stay, yeah. Stay ready. Stay ready like uh like Sydney didn't scream one. That's right. We appreciate you guys listening and uh, interacting with us, guys. We're coming back soon. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts